This is Jen, and you're listening to Paradox, a Mage the Ascension podcast. These bite-sized episodes are designed to get you up to speed and comfortable with Mage the Ascension rules and concepts. Reread the books so you don't have to, though we do recommend it. Without further ado, welcome to Paradox. Welcome to episode 13 on the auspicious date of Friday, October 13th. I want to say thanks for bearing with me as I had COVID and lost my voice and couldn't get another episode out a couple weeks ago. I didn't mean for episode 13 to actually come out on this day, as I had originally planned to talk about the correspondence sphere first, but this feels like a happy coincidence. What wasn't a coincidence, however, was the topic for this episode, the mage cosmology. If you're unfamiliar with the idea of a cosmology, it basically just means the structure and evolution of the universe, in this case from the perspective of Mage the Ascension. As the world of darkness is our world but worse in many ways, a lot of its overarching cosmology is similar to ours, and all of the settings within the world of darkness share one cosmology, they just each look at it from a different angle. We're going to focus on the mage mindset for this episode, as it is the one that matters most for our purposes, but there will be references to Werewolf the Apocalypse, as the mage cosmology was built upon the werewolf one, and there may be mentions of other lines when those crossover points come up. The reason for putting this episode so early with all of its new vocabulary that we will define as we go along is because the next episode will be focused on the sphere of spirit magic, or dimensional science for the technocrats out there. And that sphere requires at least a semi-solid grounding in the basics of the overarching mage cosmology. With all that being said, welcome once again to episode 13, Reality Check. To start, let's talk a bit about the terminology that will be used in this episode. Mage is a game of infinite possibility, and therefore it is also a game of overlapping, clashing, and inconsistent worldviews. Often, these worldviews have different terminology for things, or even better, use the same words to mean different things. Not only that, but the World of Darkness source books, not just Mage, have a tendency to be internally inconsistent as well. Now, this could be explained as having a large setting, multiple writers, and new editions that contradicted older editions, or we could look at it as a messy existing setting where we can take what suits us and leave the rest. You don't need to know everything in order to run a World of Darkness game, or even use any of it at all, but it's there if you want it. That all being said, the mage cosmology can be incredibly confusing. For this episode, we will be using specific terms and definitions as we understand them, and if that clashes with your idea of the mage cosmology, we can agree to disagree. Speaking of confusing concepts, the mage cosmology doesn't fit neatly into how many people view our world. Here, our senses tell us about three main dimensions, four if you include time. While this episode will attempt to categorize the reality of the world of darkness into those four dimensions, and it is perfectly reasonable to continue thinking of reality that way, it may benefit your understanding if you acknowledge that not only is our reality complex, but adding in a supernatural component makes the complexity explode exponentially. Directionality in this case is an exercise in futility, but many of the terms used to describe the mage cosmology use words like higher or lower, and if that evokes a sense of one realm being above or below another, that's reasonable, if potentially incorrect. In the Mage the Ascension world, all of reality is referred to as the Tellurian. It encompasses all dimensions, realms, planes, and levels of existence, both known and unknown. The Tellurian is the stage upon which the Ascension War is fought and where mages manipulate, explore, and seek to understand the nature of reality. 
The word Tellurian refers to a mechanical model for demonstrating the rotation and orbit of the Earth, and most mages use this as a metaphor for all reality. What is, what was, what will be, or might be, and even what could be. Which brings me to the tapestry. The tapestry is often described as the weave of reality. It represents the intricate and interconnected fabric of existence that encompasses the entire Tellurian. Every aspect of existence is woven together with every possibility, and it is the mage who can tug threads back and forth or cut and rearrange them as they see fit. Or, well, as much as consensus and paradox will allow them to. Of course, due to this effect on the tapestry, mages also affect the overall cosmology as there is the potential to create new realms as many mages have done according to the historical metaplot. However, there are enough realms to talk about already without going into any of the new ones that may or may not be created by enterprising mages. So it's easiest to start with what we know. In this case, that would be Earth, our physical reality. The Earth is separated from other realms by a metaphysical barrier called the Gauntlet. Many of the other realms have their own gauntlets, but Earth's is the one most mages will be concerned with. Back when there was more mystery around, you could enter the spirit world from any particularly wild or mystical location like the American frontier, or deep in any cave or forest, or by metaphorically falling off the edge of the world. These places are all examples of shallowings, areas where the gauntlet between the earth and everywhere else is paper thin. These shallowings still exist in the modern world, but they are few and far between, and either have mythic ties or are in places humans rarely venture, like the deepest depths of the ocean. The gauntlet waxes and wanes over the centuries, and often from location to location, but the last 200 years have seen a stiffening of the spiritual barrier, most likely related to the increasing influence of the technocratic paradigm. As well, if you choose to include it in your chronicle, the gauntlet is home to the Avatar Storm, or Dimensional Anomaly, if you're a technocrat. The storm has a lot of history, both in the setting and in the real-world development of the books, but suffice it to say that it can make crossing the gauntlet much more difficult. Just across the gauntlet is what is known as the penumbra. This is considered Earth's shadow or reflection, and it's where all the other umbral realms have a connection to Earth. If one were to use their senses to look across the gauntlet, such as to see spirits, they would see the spirit world as it overlays Earth. Someone could potentially do this with mind or entropy should they wish to see specifically the high or low umbrae, the astral reaches or underworld respectively, and how those realms overlap Earth as well. However, for the most part, you would actually be using the spirit sphere to see those as well. It's just, if you want to be particularly creative, you could make an argument for mind or entropy. If one does manage to cross the gauntlet, and there are plenty of ways to cross with minimal issue depending on which realm you're attempting to go to, then by default one would end up in this penumbra, which the books sometimes refer to in the plural as if each realm has its own penumbra, which may or may not be accurate. If you go further than the penumbra, you can explore the near umbra, which is comprised of three locations, mostly. While, as mentioned, it's impossible to really assign a direction as we know it to any of these, they are often known as the High, Middle, and Low or Dark Umbra. Their alternative names are the Astral Reaches for the High Umbra, the Spirit Wilds for the Middle Umbra, and the Underworld for the Low Umbra. And those are the names we will use here, so there is hopefully less confusion. The Astral Reaches are the spiritual realms of abstract thought and concepts. It's a land of metaphors and platonic forms and is most easily accessed by the mind sphere as moving into the astral reaches physically is possible, but can cause you some problems with your physical pattern existing in such an abstract space. While traveling astrally, your physical stats are replaced by your mental ones and willpower is used as your health. 
Astral time does not flow the same way as it does in the real world, as it depends more on your state of mind than the actual concept of time. If you've ever been focused intently on something and found that time sped by without you noticing it, it's a similar idea in the astral reaches. As one moves further into the reaches, or if you prefer, as you progress upwards, you move from simple and general concepts into the abstract and narrow. The middle umbra, or spirit wilds, is one of the most utilized umbral realms as it is relevant to the spirit sphere in Mage, as well as to the entire setting of Werewolf the Apocalypse. While the high and low umbrae have a somewhat hierarchical design, understanding still that directionality is all but impossible to substantiate, the middle umbra goes outwards or sideways, which leads to the term stepping sideways used by both the Garu, the werewolves in Werewolf the Apocalypse, and mages alike. The middle umbra contains 13 individual and distinct realms, collectively known as the near realms, ranging from Panagia, a primal reflection of Earth as it was before civilization and even human history, to the atrocity realm or the wasteland, which is where the worst cruelties and tortures have been immortalized, or cyber realm, known as dystopia to mages, where the constructs of the weaver, a great spirit that I will explain momentarily, have run amok, building a vast and powerful reflection of the information age with areas like the pit, an underworld of discarded dreams, or the computer web, where raw data is embodied in spirit form. In anticipation of the next episode of Paradox, a brief overview of spirits themselves is warranted. Spirits are disembodied entities that originate in and usually dwell in the Umbra, and for that reason, some mages call them the Umbrood. Wraiths and demons are considered more specialized types of spirits, and many references to spirits specifically do not include these two types of beings. Spirits can occasionally materialize in the physical world or bind themselves to a mortal via possession. There are plenty of write-ups on spirits, both from the werewolf and the mage perspectives, which are edition-dependent, but the gist is that most things have a spirit, even if they aren't sentient beings. There are spirits of hatred, blood, technology, electricity, death, joy, depression, family, or even elemental spirits of fire, air, water, earth, and even wood or metal. Of course, there are many other potential types of spirits. They generally have abilities based on their overall nature, and they can be found in the penumbra as reflections of the physical world, or deeper in the umbral realms, though the ones you find in those depths are often the more powerful cousins of the penumbral ones. Werewolf the Apocalypse presents the mythology of the Triad, the three greatest entities in the spiritual hierarchy that are responsible for the creation, preservation, and destruction of all things. Of course, opinions differ and stories are contradictory, but as they are occasionally referenced in the mage setting, there is merit in discussing them. The triad provides balance between the creation of chaos by the wild, the preservation of order, form, and function by the weaver, and the destruction of the worm. According to the stories, these three are out of balance in the modern world, leading to an upswing in the worm's power, bringing the apocalypse ever closer. Most mages, even those well-versed in spirit magic or dimensional science, won't be encountering or dealing with the triad or truly any extremely powerful spirits. However, if a storyteller wishes to delve into that world, perhaps with werewolf NPCs or a chronicle that spends a lot of time across the gauntlet, the werewolf supplements are a great addition to the mage books for expanding your understanding of those entities. Moving on to other umbral realms, fundamentally, the underworld is composed of memories. It is the domain of the dead and is the setting for Wraith the Oblivion, unless you would prefer to leave Wraith out of your game, in which case you could model a more mage-centric underworld after the Astral Reaches or Spirit Wilds, but with a more entropic leaning. The underworld is where dead people, and only people, sometimes go. It's a place of memory and dissolution, so like the High Umbra, 
It has a hierarchy of slices. And like the middle umbra, it gets progressively more messed up the farther away from the gauntlet, which is also known as the shroud, that you get. At the metaphysical bottom of reality is oblivion, a gnawing hole comprised of entropy itself, which is a constantly churning force of destruction and madness that is patient and enduring, simply waiting for all of existence to come to it as it eventually will. In addition to these realms in the near umbra, there are independent regions that exist between and across and operate with completely unique physics and laws that set them apart from the others. These regions are called zones. Some are visited on a nearly casual basis, other zones are more difficult to reach, and some can only be seen from the outside but not entered, while others seem to operate in completely random patterns with regard to accessibility. Without going into deep detail about all of the zones, two of the known ones are more prominent than the others. Though of course it is up to the storyteller whether to put focus on any of the zones at all. These zones are the Dreaming, which is more relevant to the Changeling the Dreaming line than Mage, and the Digital Web, which was developed by the Virtual Adepts. The Dreaming is generally considered a zone by mages, but could be considered a realm of its own with Arcadia, the home of the Fae, in the middle. The second edition mage supplement, Beyond the Barriers, The Book of Worlds, also gives a description of the Maya, or the Dream Realm, which M20 states contains the Dreaming. However, the descriptions have never matched up. As with dreams themselves, the short descriptions provided by the books can be interpreted in many ways, and the final call is, as always, ultimately up to the storyteller. The digital web is likely the most utilized zone in all of Mage, in games set in the modern age anyway. Alan Turing, canonically part of the virtual adepts in the world of darkness, developed a simulated reality and projected his avatar into it via a telephone line. Something went wrong, with theories ranging from there being an error in his calculations to an assassination by technocrats while his mind was absent, and he died. However, his death transformed the simulation into an early version of the digital web and caused the virtual adepts to flee the technocracy for good. A mage or technocrat can visit the digital web with their senses through tools like virtual reality gear, they can visit astrally using the correspondence sphere to shift their senses that way, or they can wholly translate themselves into the digital web and leave no physical body behind in the physical world, or what virtual adepts tend to refer to as meat space. Much like the gauntlet separates the material world from the near umbra, another barrier called the horizon separates the near umbra from the areas beyond. This bit gets a little confusing with mage naming conventions yet again, because there are two barriers known as the first horizon and the far horizon for some reason, and the space between them is sometimes called the true horizon. Let me try to explain. The limit of physical reality used to be the Earth's atmosphere. You didn't have to go adventuring to slip through a shallowing, you could also just go up. Mundane space didn't exist at all until the technocracy encouraged sleeper scientists to probe, investigate, and publish about it, leading to consensus and the gauntlet expanding outwards. This split the undifferentiated umbra outside of the Earth's atmosphere, that delimiter becoming known as the first horizon, into the vacuum of space in physical reality on one side and its umbra reflection in the other. This region of the spirit wilds or middle umbra is commonly referred to as ether space, or more confusingly, the true horizon. The expansion slash division of space in this way only extended to the solar system's inner planets though. The asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter became a second horizon, the far horizon. Beyond the asteroid belt in both physical space and ether space is the undifferentiated deep umbra. In ether space, one can find several shard realms and so-called horizon realms, since mages really like naming everything with horizon. 
These shard realms are umbral realms that are connected to one of the nine spheres of magic and map physically to one of the planets, even Pluto. Each shard realm also has a corresponding shade realm that manifests within that first horizon, like a shadow. At least that's the way M20 describes it. Revised restricted shade realms and made them only reachable from the corresponding shard realm, so the choice is yours for how you treat them. Horizon realms are pocket universes that require a connection to a node on Earth, as they must be supplied with quintessence in order to sustain their existence. A node is a natural wellspring of quintessence, so it provides an easy supply to the realm. The most well-known Horizon realms include Horizon, a stronghold for the Nine Traditions that was built in the 1450s and acted much like the United Nations for mages, as well as Balador, which was the pride and joy of the Cult of Ecstasy, and Autocathonia, the off-world home of the Iteration X. Many of these realms were destroyed or unmoored when the Avatar Storm hit, if you subscribe to that metaplot and those who were there eventually became disembodied spirits. However, if you are running a game without the Avatar Storm, they may still exist. Beyond the far horizon lies the Deep Umbra, an immense void with few touch points for mages or technocrats to hold on to. There are, of course, the remaining shard and shade realms that map to the rest of the planets, and the Void Engineers created one of their main bases, the Copernicus Research Center, also known as the COP, in the Deep Umbra to monitor for extraterrestrial threats. Otherwise, the Deep Umbra is home to strange alien creatures, weird space things, and some marauders and nefandi. Sometimes classified in relation to the Deep Umbra, but which are really a thing of their own, there are also paradox realms. These are private realms created by the extensive paradox accumulated in a particularly vulgar mage. They often take on forms related to the offense that triggered them. The technocracy follows a different theory of the universe developed by Tychoides, the founder of the modern Void Engineers, in order to explain the spiritual dimension in terms of enlightened science. According to this Tychoidean cosmology, the cosmos acts as a hypercomputer that is able to generate infinite continuous processing which sentient beings can tap into and use to generate their own reality models. What this mostly means is that the technocracy explains the varying umbral realms by believing in the reality of conventional space, which is the area perceivable by the masses and regular science up to the asteroid belt, and that any phenomena that occur outside of consensus fall into subdimensions that the void engineers believe represent mathematical shadows of accepted aspects of reality. While each subdimension has its own technocratic explanation, they map directly to the same umbral realms that mages observe, just with different names. The astral reaches are called ensemble space, the spirit wilds are called biospheric space, the underworld is called entropic space. The first horizon is known as the biospheric horizon, while the far horizon is the spatial horizon, and the space between them, the reflection of conventional space, is known as subspace, and is home to several quantum dimensions, which mages know as shard realms. The Deep Umbra is known as the Deep Universe to technocrats, and it's a place where consensus reality stops existing, leading to paradox targeting technocrats more than mages. Zones, as mages call them, create an interesting problem for technocrats, which they have solved by calling them Everett Volumes, based probably off of the Many Worlds interpretation in quantum mechanics proposed by Hugh Everett in 1957. Essentially, it's one of the many multiverse hypotheses. However, there is one zone that technocrats and mages somewhat agree upon, the digital web, especially as it became more and more integrated into consensus. So today we've embarked on a long but incomplete journey through the labyrinthine cosmos of Mage the Ascension. In this mystical odyssey, we've unraveled the complex terminology and interwoven concepts of a world where belief and intention shape the very fabric of reality. 
As mages and storytellers, we are invited to navigate this boundless realm of infinite possibilities, all while recognizing that the mage cosmology doesn't neatly align with our conventional understanding of the universe. As we move forward in our exploration of Mage the Ascension, remember that the cosmos is a place of endless wonder and complexity. The Tellurian, the Tapestry, and the Gauntlet are just the beginning of a journey filled with realms, magic, and potential. So, dear mages and seekers of the arcane, continue your exploration, question everything, and keep the magic alive. We'll be back soon with more tales from the magical cosmos. Until then, may your reality be ever expensive, and may you find magic in the most unexpected places. Happy Friday the 13th, and stay tuned for more adventures beyond the gauntlet. You've been listening to Paradox, a Mage the Ascension podcast, and you can find us wherever you can find podcasts. If actual plays are up your alley, check out Dorktales on twitch.tv dorktales or youtube.com dorktales. Find us on the Dorktales Discord server, or check out our website at dorktales.ca. We are currently streaming a Mage the Victorian era game on Saturdays. Our Patreon subscribers have early access to the Technocracy Zero Sum game, which is also starting to roll out on YouTube for the general public. And we have several Mage one-shots and a short-run chronicle called Breaking Tradition on YouTube. Additionally, we are starting to roll out our Mage the Victorian era game in podcast form over on the Dork Tales Podbean channel, also found wherever you can find podcasts. Finally, as always, there's also all of our other amazing content. Thanks for listening, and remember to always keep your magic coincidental, unless it's fireball. <laughs>